0: Hey guys, this is Anoa, the way with Anoa, and I am joined tonight by Ben America, because Ben is awesome, and we're going to talk about awesome things. Um, ben is in Florida, and so he knows some of the inside outs of what's been going on, um, you know, in the whole race of the, the election for the state chair. Um, we're just going to top it up and shoot the breeze and, you know, bringing you good conversations with good people. So how you doing, Ben? I'm doing well. I'm hanging in there. I'm home. I'm warm. <laughs> so, it's all good. So tell me, what is going on in Florida right now? Um, like,
1: well, it's a, it's a balmy 72 degrees outside uh, mm-hmm. it's from the northeast, uh, and a chairs race that is probably going to come down to a conversation about where the soul of the party
0: is. And, mm. uh,
1: that is a, uh, that is a, it's, it's already gotten bloody. So mm-hmm. um, Miami Dade has, of course, is like is like drama central for the whole thing because it, you know, everything else sort of played out. There were a few surprises out there. Some of the seats that were picked up. Um, there's been a group organizing behind the scenes to get mm-hmm. elected across the state. And uh, it's had a lot of grassroots support um, and it's sort of picked up the interest of some of the people institutionally as well. Well, the fun part about it is, is that when Miami-Dade had their election, uh, our good friend Mario Piscatella went down there and live streamed it on Facebook. And so there's this group of people all over the country that are watching the Miami-Dade election happening.
0: Oh, wow.
1: And There were a handful of people that you know saw this and went wait hold on a second there are people watching a live stream of a state party election what are you what are you even talking or or, no no no, this isn't even the state party election this is a county party election in preparation for a state party election so you know and we're and of course we're talking amongst ourselves like just wait till 2020 (laughs) y'all So, um, so, there's a group of people that are have, have sort of self organized this whole thing. So, Miami Dade happens, and um, and Dwight Bullard, who was sort of the front runner for
0: the Bernie wing of the party, uh, he loses. And right. instead, uh, the guy who's elected is a guy whose boss is a really big
1: donor within the party. And okay. Uh, Stephen uh, Biddle. properly pronounce it even though I I take a little bit of uh, George Herbert Walker approach on it as to to pronounce it the opposite way that it should be pronounced just to poke fun Um, Mm -hmm. you know so we'll say Biddle uh, until they they correct me but anyway so um, this guy is a big money guy he's he's known and he's trying to position himself he wasn't a precinct committee person so in Florida in order to be elected as an ex- onto the executive committee, you mm-hmm. have to be a precinct committee person first. Okay. So those precinct committee people elections happen in August 30th ballot.
0: Okay. Okay.
1: So that August 30th ballot sets up who gets to vote in these December reorgs. Then it also sets up who gets to be eligible to run. So if you didn't get elected to your precinct in August you're not eligible to be a state committee man or a state
0: committee woman, which you have to be in order to get elected chair of the party. So mm-hmm.
1: now you, now what the scenario is is that you've got um, in Miami Dade County, Dwight Bullard loses that position. So in the middle of all of this, he slides over to run for the state committee man's spot. Well, that's against Brett Berlin. And, brett's an institution down there um brett's always played seemed to play for the right team and so that's why it was so confusing
0: what happened after the election it turns out right that brett berlin wasn't actually eligible to be state committee man oh interesting because his precinct didn't have a slot for him to get elected into because he
1: wasn't the top vote getter. Now some precincts allow for two precinct committee people
0: or precinct committee men, for instance, Mm -hmm. but in order to
1: do that, you have to have over a thousand Democrats in that precinct. Okay. This precinct apparently used to have over a thousand Democrats dropped down to under a thousand. So it only had one precinct committee man slot over uh okay but that wasn't on that wasn't how they slotted that at the secret or at the uh supervisor of elections office at the supervisor of elections office it had two slots mm-hmm. which doesn't make sense because it didn't have over a thousand people so why did it have two slots and no one knows the answer to that question how did that happen someone that that should be two slots open on uh in that precinct what was there some gamesmanship did somebody get talked into something nobody really knows about this well instead of giving a lot of time there for mark caputo to come in and invest and start investigating and making calls brett berlin resigns
0: Mm. okay
1: on his way out the door he says oh and by the way um you know, I'm um, I'm throwing my hat in the ring to have someone from Miami Dade represent us uh, at, at at the state level. So progressives took that to mean that he was jumping in behind Biddle. Okay. Whether or not that's what it means, he's not being entirely clear. But in talking with people down there. There are people like, you know, Tim Canova who, um, you know, have an opinion that, uh, they think that some gamesmanship is going on. So, uh, there's, um, there, there is, uh, definitely a feeling of betrayal among people. So all of this stuff comes down to a guy who's not even running for state party chairman. He's just a state committee man that. Probably wasn't really
0: eligible to be state committee man, or wasn't eligible. Was, uh, exciting stuff. And it and it, it it's it's actually you know when you look at and, and people keep people you got to look at everything that's happened. I mean, and there's of course there's more history beyond just this immediate election cycle, right? But when you look at just this immediate election cycle from the primaries all the way through to even with the general election with the way different things happen. I mean, we talk about Dwight Bullard, for example, and 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 the loss in his campaign. I mean, that that was a was a tough pill to swallow, I feel like, you know, um, with some of the machinations and underhandedness within the party itself. Like it's no surprise that people are are not just side eyeing, but like actually vocally like requesting um this be looked into, like, like what's going on? You know?
1: Yeah. And I mean, so you so for those of the, those watching or who will watch that don't know, Dwight Bullard was a state senator who was in a state Senate district that changed. It shifted the demographics. And so in its infinite wisdom, the state party decided, well, we're going to run somebody against him, this incumbent state senator. We're going to run challenge him in a primary so that we can secure the seat. Um, he, they challenged him in the primary, they were unable to secure the seat, but they had beat him up by then with, um, some allegations, um, that really, really were pretty ugly. Uh, some, uh, even going, you can go so far. I mean, it obviously was, he was getting claimed as being anti-Semitic
0: and, mm-hmm. and that's just not Dwight. And, um, you know, so,
1: uh, it got really ugly in that primary. And that just wasn't good for anybody. Um, then, of course, you know he endorsed Bernie, and then Obama came down and endorsed everybody but Dwight. Mm. And uh, so, you know, institutionally, you know, you, you would expect some support there. Um, but um, but uh, his brother Barry gave him a middle
0: finger out the door. So. Well, this is this this is the conversation we were having a little earlier too, right? Like. like- how like how how the, the party how the democratic party at the state local level whatever it is will sometimes rather um you know play favorites than than win the seats necessary bring the districts necessary to actually you know control more of the map so to speak and we see this playing out across the board in so many areas but that, you know, this this is one recent example, when that letter, there was a letter that went out, right, of all the endorsements or whatever from President Obama and Florida people, and you look at, and you're just like, okay, like, is, 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 is POTUS really like that in tune, what's going on down in Florida, or did someone hand him a list and say, here, he, these are our people, sign it, and they intentionally left off a strong people's advocate like Dwight, right, um, and it clearly was was a message being sent, like, you didn't play your role. So, I mean, we've seen that happen in so many instances. Um, I mean, I'd love, and I don't know if it happens in the South more than other places, but I mean, it happens.
1: I would love to believe that, um, President Obama is so in tune that he sat back <laughs> and looked at the list and was like, uh, what's Dwight doing on here? Uh, nope, he endorsed Bernie in the primary. Nah have him this is my girl Hillary you know I mean you you just you wonder
0: that wasn't that wasn't too bad of an impression you did there (laughs) I didn't even
1: have to start it with uh
0: look so uh
1: (laughs) uh, but yeah so I mean I'd love to believe he was that in tune
0: I don't think he is yeah
1: I think you're right I think somebody you know prepares a document like that for him and and you know the machine that that was coming out of during that time I mean you know, there's never going to be a DNC like there was for the last two years. I mean, I mean right? Henry Hall it was not did not have the machinations that this DNC had. You know, I mean, speaking of the DNC, uh, Biddle shows up there as well. Uh, he shows up in WikiLeaks uh, in a WikiLeaks team Oh, uh,
0: does he? Yeah, the finance. Apparently, at the
1: DNC, um, say that he is a pain in the ass because so, uh, he wants all kinds of special treatment when he's at events. That's just you know, that's just what I hear from the email. <laughs> I don't know that myself. I don't get invited to those events.
0: That's hilarious. So, what is the next step going on? Like, what, what, how does this process play out now in in Florida? Um, what are we? What is kind of the landscape looking like going forward?
1: So, there's an effort to. Um, have a, uh, a look at you know review of the election process and what happened down there that's uh, that's now started as a petition um, mm-hmm. that's a that's a good uh, easy hashtag activism uh, uh, effort to get involved in mm-hmm. um, definitely raise the profile you know definitely talk about it online um, you know I, to me the it's one of those things, and I, don't, I think there's a lot of people who would disagree with this, but you know, I, I love controversy, and I, I think um, I, I think that this is an exciting story that should should get some attention about what's going on in this process of a party that at its convention was split 53 to 47 in terms mm-hmm. of the Clintonites and the Burning
0: I mean, we know what the numbers are. We know that we, we're at right. 47% right. of this party. Okay? So if we're at 47% of this party in, in Florida, which, which if you look at Florida, Florida was a, Florida was a 66-33 state. Okay. So, but there was no ground game in Florida. The, 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 one of the biggest failings. Abysmal. Florida, one person. One person
1: was hired by the Bernie Sanders campaign for Florida. Her name was Amy Ritter. I mean, one person and that's and for an entire state, you just leave that one on the I mean, you know, if your campaign wasn't really going to be about winning the nomination or securing the nomination, maybe you might think about the impact of organizing the progressive movement in one of the biggest states. And I mean, the biggest, the biggest swing state in the country. Come on, man. Come on, Jeff. What are we all thinking up there? <laughs>
0: uh, no comments. <laughs> too,
1: but you know, um, I don't know, but anyway, so yeah, I mean, Florida, this is the organizing of the progressive movement is around this, Mm -hmm. this race. So you you kind of said, what, what can people do to help? Right. Is that what you were saying?
0: Well, (laughs) yeah, I just, what, what, what can people do to help or what's going like, you know, just kind of what's going on. Um, because I think that there are, for, for those who want to stay within and rebuild or, you know, take over, you know, people are, people are, I think, I think these conversations are really good because they give people one insight right into what's going on and how these things are playing out. Um, you know, two, I think, you know, hearing from someone such as yourself who has been involved, who has been engaged or whatever, it can kind of maybe give people an idea of, like I said, yeah, steps to take. Um, how do you like, what's, what, what like what's, ne- what's next. So they have these, the local races that are going on. So when is the, the final, so when is the state vote?
1: So the state is supposed to vote January fourteenth. Okay. Interesting fact: it was originally going to be January the twenty-first, which coincided with the Million Women's March on up to Washington, which was kind of funny because then it was all like, "Oh, so you're trying to just make sure that everybody who goes to the Million Women's March can't be part of this." But, okay. So then they they scrambled, and you get an email two days later: "No, no, no, no. actually, we meant the fourteenth. We meant the fourteenth. Sorry." um so january 14th is when the final vote's going to happen uh for state party chair um for that's when the state party chair elections are supposed to be uh, for all of the okay uh that has to i mean if miami's got to work out whatever miami's got going on down there so right that's a mess and nobody knows so like it's at this point right now who gets to vote just the people that were elected in the August 30th precinct committee people elections Mm -hmm. that were those were the only people that were eligible to vote in the original election or does it now include the people who have signed up since then to be part of the party Mm -hmm. now why does that matter well because what a lot of the people who try to run the game on that they didn't sign up to be a policing committee person so they're not eligible to get elected at those reorg meetings okay those people what they'll do is they'll have somebody get elected into a position step down and then they'll have an election with this new membership that will then vote this person into that position it's a way of gaming the system so say you weren't eligible to run for state committee person in the, in the reorg election, right? Right. But you got me to do it because I was eligible. And then what I would do is I would get elected to that position and then I would wait a week and I'd say, I'm stepping down. They would hold a special election. The new people can all vote. So by then, you and I brought in 24 30 new people.
0: Ah, uh, okay.
1: And now they vote you into that position and now you're eligible for state party chair. Okay. And it's a, it's You want to talk about backroom dealing? (laughs) This is where the backroom dealing happens. Interesting. And you know what's on the table? DNC seats. That's what's on the table. So, it's. I I posted today. I said this isn't a state party election anymore. It's a Netflix original series.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Um. (laughs) Oh. Wow. That's like, that's a lot going on down there. Um, So tell me, so, so tell, so tell me, so in addition to what's all that's going on, not just in Florida as a whole, but in, you know, with the Miami stuff, whatever. So tell me, you know, as you are now looking at this landscape, we're post-election, we're a month post-election. It's been a wild cycle. Um, It's really actually the first one I've been this engaged in, you know, I've always voted blah, 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 but never been this actively engaged day in and day out and and so it's it's so i've you know almost as a novice i was i've told marcus um before that i feel like um what i'm trying to think the analogy i use with the movie but i'm like i always i I feel like a little kid in the big oh oh my god (laughs) i can't even think of the name of the movie anymore but it, it was a movie the little kid he broke his arm and all of a sudden he could he could pitch in the major league right and and that's I was like that's how I feel sometimes. I feel like a little kid that got boosted up to the, that skip skip pee wees and went straight to the major major leagues, hanging out with all of you guys. And, but so, what are your thoughts? We're a month we're a month post election. We're in this very weird space of emotional. We we have angst. We have Russia. We have the pending orange menace and all his awful you know appointments. Um, Like, what do you see, what do you see us as as individuals, as movements being able to do? And and, and what are your thoughts about it, about things going forward?
1: First off, I've never seen the stage set so
0: clearly Mm -hmm. for, um,
1: you know, a socio-political revolution. I mean, this is... And in in some ways I don't like the word revolution in that sense. I prefer Mm -hmm. the the word renaissance um, because I think in a lot of ways, you know, I have a friend of mine who says um, a renaissance is when you look at the shit you have now and you look at the shit that you used to have and the shit that you used to have is better than the shit that you have now. Mm. So, you know, this corporatized um, limited liability, um, grow tall, um, don't grow roots, you know, um, waste and toss away, uh, human capital. You know, all of this stuff is, it's that, that era is over. It's, mm-hmm. there's a general, there's, you know, between X and Y, we're, we're at a crossroads with a, an older generation X that didn't get the revolution that they wanted in their youth. You know, Zach Delaroca, Um, um, and, um, chuck d you know but Mm
0: -hmm.
1: now as we're older we have these sets of experiences where we can sort of guide the things along and so it's interesting because you're right what you started out with talking about was getting sort of catapulted into this space Mm -hmm. so for a lot of us this space didn't exist before
0: this election cycle okay this is new space
1: it is. It's the, mm. it's the vacuum. It's what. It's what's been there for a long time, and what we were all in the position of. We had lined ourselves up to be in this in this position, so that as soon as that space filled, we were sort of sucked into the center of it. Okay. And so now, you know, you've got this group of us nationally that, you know, are are talking, we're communicating, we're um, we're building together, we're working on a lot of different things, and there's a lot of talent out there that comes from spaces that other people aren't looking at. Mm-hmm. Not looking at. Um, it's like the, you know, it's like the basketball coach that just finds this one community of ridiculous pocket of talent. You know what I mean? And he's able to take that and he's able to develop that and you get something like, you know, some of the, some of the crazy high school teams of the eighties the and nineties, um, you know, the, these, there's these pockets of talent out here, and we're getting connected, you know, like we've never been been before. So I think that I think moving forward, um, there's some really exciting stuff on the horizon. Uh, we're going to get to coalesce around some issues, but we're also going to be able to do some boutique targeting, uh, which I think is going to be useful to uh, to make sure that we get a broad attack as opposed to uh, trying to go after big
0: issues one at a time okay okay so um so we're working on a project right we're, we're going to take take over america <laughs> one show at a time we're going to spread the good word no i'm just joking um no yeah yeah, yeah totally i i, I definitely I, I absolutely agree with all of that and i just think that, that that's a really good point that you made about this being a new space right Um, Because that's one. That's one of the things I'm starting to see and starting to learn. Like, you know, there are a lot of really good people out here who've been doing this work for a long time, but the game has changed, right? From the way people knew it before, maybe like there, there's. It's not that that everything people knew has to be thrown completely out, but. It definitely takes a new set of skills and a different vantage point, a different viewpoint, different set of eyes sometimes to see how do we move forward. And as we were talking about earlier, you know, looking at 2018, 2020, 2022, and 2024, because we really do need to start thinking about it like that, right? We need to stop thinking about just presidential election cycles. We need to think about those midterm cycles. We need to think about these state and local elections. I mean, it's a lot of stuff to think about, you guys. <laughs> like, we just need super brains to think about it all. Yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. every single one of those is an opportunity
1: to show people this process and get Mm -hmm. them engaged in it. You know, there's nothing. There's nothing. I got to tell you, nothing like winning a campaign or winning an election.
0: Mm -hmm. There's nothing
1: like being part of that team. Um, The fire in the belly that that inspires, and and it's a faith that can't be broken. It is the true belief that we can change our government when we want it to be different Mhm.
0: Yeah. yeah very cool
1: so yeah the um the biggest thing that i think we're we're getting a chance to do right now um you know you and i are working together uh, not just on uh trying to you know give people good stuff to listen to and
0: watch,
1: mm-hmm. uh but we're also working on this project impact yes and um so for your viewers out there that don't know um anoa is more than just a ridiculously good entertainer and <laughs> political dialoguer and solution finder uh, uh anoa is also an amazing strategist and
0: i appreciate that thank you
1: oh no absolutely absolutely um and that's and that's what i mean by these new spaces is that we get to find mm-hmm. talent that's that's so you know marcus made a really good point on a call a couple of weeks ago uh that we were on and he talked about the difference between you know white a white organizer and a black organizer
0: mm-hmm.
1: a white organizer really only has to learn to organize in one space but a black right. organizer has to organize in multiple different spaces,
0: you know, because most often mm. when a black organizer is brought on, especially on a smaller
1: campaign, they're responsible for all the minority outreach. Right. You got to do all of it, you know? So um, so that means that they have a very different view of, of the world as an organizer, a very different experience. Uh, they have a broader set of experiences and so because of that we've got this really amazing opportunity to work in those spaces to work with those kinds of organizers to help develop them to make them stronger uh to give them resources that they probably wouldn't have access to before i mean for god's sakes can we just give our activists access to a voter file I mean why do we have to treat that an
0: way? accurate voter file? <laughs> can we can we find a way to get accurate voter files too? But yeah. Was, I mean that's complicated for other reasons, but yeah. We treat it like it's some kind of like this, this holy sacrament. Like you can't get it
1: unless you, you know, either have a bunch of money to pay for it or um, you know, find somebody in the party that'll give you a hookup.
0: Right. But right. I cool. think I think that's just like, like the basics, because if we could, if we could, like you said, if we could get with local, you know, part of what we're thinking, what we're trying to do with impact, right. Is building with, um, local communities and local teams, um, to actually address issues. And and again, not just, you know, in time to get people to get out to vote for X, Y, Z candidate, but, but year round, you know, really trying to move the needle, needle and create sustainable change, you know, around us um, has to be people driven, has to be bottom up. It can't just be, well, we're sitting in some office someplace in D.C., you know, dictating to the regions basically how they do stuff. And I think what you're saying, though, about how we need to make sure that people have the access and the tools to do what they need to do. Right. So, yeah, it, it, it makes it so much easier, right? If we can give, you know, organized, local organizers, like you said, a voter file, it doesn't cost us an ungodly amount of money to get, which ends up being kind of messy anyway. But, like, like just simple stuff. It's real simple stuff, but being able to have that type of access would make it so much easier for people to get out there on the ground and do the work. And And I think this is an area where, you know, with some innovation – and um, you know, if we have any social engineers and other folks out there, tech folks out there and stuff like that, who are really interested in doing the work, you know, maybe there are ways that 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 people could help and get involved, build, help build us out an app, hint hint, <laughs> or things like that that just make this this easier because we that's what we need to do. We need to find tools and resources to make it more accessible, to make it easier um, for people to be engaged. And for people to be able to, you know, quote unquote, do the work. Um, we say it all the time, but it, it can be difficult for that to happen.
1: I don't think I'm violating any NDA um, by saying that um, there's a couple of products out there that are currently in the mid stages of development uh, to address exactly that. One of the things mm-hmm. that Bernie brought together were um, the Progressive Coders Network.
0: And ah, that, yes.
1: You know, that group. Um, you know, if you're somebody out there who likes to code, wants to get involved, isn't really sure how, the, the Progressive Coders Network are super accepting and welcoming, and they're they're really easy to uh, to to vibe with and work with. And and you know, a lot of this, a lot of this really comes down to. It's almost as if you wish there was like a change sorter kind of system. So mm-hmm. that you could just, you know, sort all of these people who want to be engaged and involved right into the right spaces so that you can just hand them off a small task. They can work on that piece of the task along the way. So every day, you know, thousands of these little tasks are getting knocked out along the way, and it's communicating things, and it's doing, you know, developing this image or, you know, graphic design or, you know, fixing this on a website for this county party over here. and You know, just all of these little things and, and what we could – what we could create it something right like that. we're just a few years away from that of somebody coming to market with some with a tool like that and the problem is is that if it's not driven by sort of this community ethos this idea that through collective action we can we can innovate on our society then then, it, then it's probably going to be just something that enriches somebody and, and it's a really cool name that doesn't have a vowel
0: in it somewhere <laughs> that's hilarious but yeah um yeah i mean i think that's a really great point too i uh, just 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 so so you know impact we'll, we'll talk a little bit about impact a little more about impact you know um how, how, I mean, what what is your feeling? What is your sense? Like, I mean, we're, we're brand new. Marcus just said to me yesterday, he was just like, you know, uh, for those of you not familiar, Marcus Farrell, um, political strategist, uh, consultant, former director of African-American outreach for the Bernie Sanders campaign, you know, um, basically our commander in chief over at Impact, our, our, our Captain Picard. Um, now nah, he'd probably be more of an Avery Brooks Uh, Star Trek captain he's a Janeway he's a Janeway Janeway. (laughs) (laughs) yeah I have my random I have my random moments where I go into pop culture type stuff (laughs) like I might lose my train of thought I'm like oh this is like that one movie the funniest thing like I was talking with um I was on one time covering for for on Ben's show and I was with uh, two of the younger guys and I was given an example from, I can't even remember the movie now. I was like, Oh my God, this is just like blah, blah, blah. Remember? And they both looked at me deadpan and they're not that much younger than, well, I guess one is like 10 years younger than me, but still they're not that much younger. And I'm just like, they're like, we have no clue what you're talking about. They're like, you're just so old. <laughs>
1: <I'm> like <"What?" laughs> And it's funny because it's like there was a shift along the way
0: and it's just there's the cutoff point uh-huh. and, uh, you know I see it on campaigns when
1: I work with you know these 18 nineteen 20 year old kids come into the campaign and you're trying to you know find some way to relate to them and they you know they' you no know, uh, I don't know any of your music and I don't know any of you. and that's when I realize okay I'm old I'm just gonna sit back here and but you were you were talking about um about impact and what the feeling is on where we are and, and sort of the space we occupy. I'm ex- I am, I have to say, I've never been as excited about something as I am about impact and what's happening with it. Um, it is, it's one of the most exciting projects I've had a chance to work on because it is, it is so timely. We're talking about a space that was ignored by both of the campaigns that were supposed to represent mm-hmm. the left, uh, and they and they, you know, how do you go through an entire campaign? You got LGBT for Bernie, you've got uh, Hispanics for Bernie, you've got women for Bernie, you've got um, bigfoot mm-hmm. for Bernie, and the only thing that you you don't see out there is an African Americans for Bernie uh, placard. I mean, how how is it that they just completely overlook that space? And so you know um i'm sure now in a day somebody'll post one up and say
0: oh no that was absolutely you know um, i actually never saw one i i we helped at i don't know how many different rallies and events and stuff like i i actually never saw one um and and had i actually had more time and and, and money and resources etc i would have made my own probably um but but like yeah that was that was like so it was so wild because um. Yeah, even even the one we went to because my kids and I like like for the 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 one that was in Birmingham on King Holiday, on uh, uh, last year or earlier. The, my kids and my sisters we all we all drove over to Birmingham. It's about two and a half hour drive from Atlanta. We all drove over and so we worked it right. Um, and the kids have actually worked one or two Bernie events, I think. You might have phone banked <laughs> my sons in the background throwing up <laughs> signaling to me how many they did. But, yeah, no, 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 that, that's actually true. Um, and even when I think about it, we had some folks down here who did buttons, we, we never had we, we did have like we'd have regular Bernie buttons and then we would have like Black Lives Matter. And I, I think that I mean, if that was such a miss. That was and, and Marcus has talked about this a little bit. I know he's been really hesitant. But you know, I I've told you before for just from my experience as someone, like one of the things that I did, like when um my 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 comrade in arms and I, Yamina Roland, like we came together. She's actually the one that tapped me to be a part of helping to run African Americans for Bernie, you know, the group through People for Bernie. And, you know, I hunted down. I I tracked Marcus down. Um, I I I like Googled and just until I found him and I found him on Twitter. And um because I couldn't find any information, and it was just really, really bad. And the, the campaign was just, the campaign was really great in many ways, and it was poor in other ways. And one of the ways it was poor was, I remember emailing the help desk, right? We had been on after the Netroots incident, but before the Seattle uh, interruption. We were all on a big conference call um, with, with, oh, with, on. Did you with, just say the,
1: the Netroots incident and the <laughs> Seattle interruption?
0: Oh, wow, my language didn't my language change. (laughs) Um, Both were interruptions. Both were both were, you know, um, great. Like,
1: like, like, as chapter headings, those are great. Like, like you just branded those two, those two events.
0: (laughs) Well, yeah, well, so, so, you know, whatever my personal thoughts are, right. I do know what transpired in between the middle of them and in between the middle of them, I was on a call with maybe about a couple hundred other people nationwide in which I heard Marcus speak for the first time. It was last summer. Um, it was, uh, it was, yeah, it was cause it was between those two, those, those two ev- events. And, uh, there was also, um, I think one or two of the sisters who had been a part of the net roots, you know, um, disruption, um, action Right one, I think there are one or two of them who spoke on the call as well. So 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 this was a moment. This was a this was a teaching moment. It was also a building moment. I mean, and it wasn't the campaign that did it. It was I think it was people for Bernie at the time before they they had their initial organizational split. I think organized it, but still, you know, having Marcus's presence on the call and having a couple of other organizers from the movement who not just had participated you know they're at net roots but from other and and he's and he was very um you could tell that he genuinely cared about our concerns so i started looking for him (laughs) because i'm like look i don't know that he understands because you know um it was it was it was more difficult in terms of you know black you know, grassroots support, et cetera. Like it, it was more difficult. It was more difficult to sell. It was more, it was just more difficult period because the, the infrastructure just wasn't there for whatever the reasons were. It just wasn't. It's not, you know, but like when when you looked around, like most of the burning groups there, they, they were, you know, predominantly white, you know, real hippy dippy progressive. And it's and no diss to anybody, love everybody, great. I've met some very, very wonderful people, would not trade anyone from the world. But it wasn't the same group that you were gonna be able to take, you know, over in the south side of Chicago. Well, actually they did go in the south side of Chicago. So that's not even a good example, but like down here in the south, it wasn't the same group that I could take to go flyer at, at, at Morehouse and Spelman's homecoming, right? Like, like the fact that the woman that decided she was gonna be in control here didn't even know what the AUC was one, then she didn't even know. Like I was explaining to her, she well actually we had a back. I had to back up and explain HBCUs. So this is the other thing about movement building, right? Just because people want to be involved and do something, it does not mean they need to be in control. Just because people decide they're going to do everything, because that was the problem here. They let one nutcase do everything because she wanted to do everything. So everyone was like, "Well, she wants to do all the work, so we'll let her." No some of us have to step up, even if we don't have the time, some of us have to step up and have a voice, because I really feel like a lot more could have been done here in Georgia in particular, had we not had some of the internal issues um, starting out. But it was just, you know, so through doing the social media, the digital stuff, since I was still new to, to Georgia and didn't really know many people, I found, I started finding other Black Bernie supporters, right, I was like, wow. It's like, wow, you exist. So we finally built out this internal little group of about 50, 60 folks all over the place. We were trying to, you know, and so you know, we went to Marcus and we were like, we we got Marcus on the phone and we sat him, you know, we talked, and he was really excited. And then like it kept getting harder and harder to get a hold of him. And and I was very angry. And I've told him we 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 we've, we've, we've hashed it all out. I was very angry. And you know, reflecting maybe, you know. We could have still, and the, that was the one lesson I learned, is to never wait for anyone to do something that I believe in, right. right? And and my thought was, again, since this is the first campaign I ever tried to really, like, volunteer with as an adult, um, my thought was I didn't want to do anything that was going to be detrimental to when the campaign came in and started doing You know what I'm saying? Like, I wanted to make sure that I was working to amplify, right? And And all of us were in agreement about that, but it just became so... And it was so easy because it wasn't like Hillary Clinton really did any outreach and stuff during the primary. They had the people. They knew who they had on lock. And one thing that I thought was really interesting was, you know, when the Bernie campaign finally did try to do stuff, they were going after the wrong people. You're not going to get, you know, the established black voters maybe a few of the younger ones you might, but for the most part, you're not gonna get them. Why? Because they already have the relationships. You know, there were different organizations, there were different groups that were publicly talking about how, you know, they supported Bernie, but because maybe his social media folks weren't tapped in the right way, like, like when I first was trying to find Marcus, I actually emailed the help desk, right? And they told me they weren't allowed to answer policy questions i said i'm not asking for a policy question i'm trying to find out contact information and you direct me to contact information from the head of african-american outreach i'm trying to volunteer like and it, i got another stupid answer back and i'm like you're lucky that i'm already in because this is the type of thing <laughs> an experience that would send people like to not be engaged at all so it was it was an interesting process and so i've had a love-hate relationship <laughs> with the birdie campaign um, just as an outsider trying to help because I really feel like one of the biggest things, and this is something I think that's so great about the potential for impact. One of the biggest things I think that that Bernie and his senior team maybe didn't understand is that it wasn't the greatest feat of all that wasn't the twenty seven dollar donations, It wasn't the however many millions of donors and blah, blah blah. It wasn't the fact that people would show up at rallies. It was the genesis of grassroots organizing that came together. For a common goal, and and when you look eighteen, however many months later, you still have so many of these people who have now transitioned their 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 Bernie, you know, primary groups into other groups for other work, whether it's local, whether it's part of regional or national collectives, whether it's like um, the, the 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 one the one group down in Florida that the whole team they basically run the whole damn county now. Like, there's so much that's so positive that has happened, and we can continue to leverage that as we build out this movement for a longer battle than just beyond the primary race. Right. And, and that's what I'm so inspired about working with you all with impact is because we can build on that, that, that grassroots energy model and support because we are waging an insurgency in some ways and we got to think smarter. You know, we, we don't necessarily have the money like other people do and things like that, but we have the tools, we have the talent and we have the people, we have some really great people involved. So that's my, my, my long short. <laughs> so,
1: you know, a lot of stuff in there. I would, um, you know, my experience with Marcus um, has been one of the most informing experiences of uh, my life. His friendship. I have, you know, I've, I've got friends that I've learned a lot of things from. Um, mm-hmm space that Marcus taught me things within is one that I'm very, I feel privileged to have that experience. Uh, you know, I grew up in a, in a very uh, poor neighborhood. I grew up as a, as a minority in my neighborhood. And so mm-hmm. for many years, I felt like that informed, my, informed me differently than a lot of the you know, sort of standard white experience. Um, it wasn't until Michael Brown that I really got it, it was mm. you know, and it wasn't really, and I remember it because I remember calling Marcus and saying, I get it now. I really get it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I kind of went through it and he was like, yep, yep, that's it. Got it. And, it, and a lot of what it came down to and, and the way I reacted to it was I immediately got angry at white
0: liberals for mm-hmm. thinking what the policy should be for communities of color. I
1: mean, look we systemically get out in front and push it and 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 drive it the direction we want to go and that's got to change right and so i have this really unique vantage point in this experience of being able to see this happening and and having witnessed it and being sensitive to witnessing it because look the day that bernie sanders threw my friend Marcus Farrell under the bus on Meet the Press was one of the most amazing days of my life. I'm sitting in my living room going, holy shit, I just watched my, my friend get run over by Bernie Sanders. No, that email was not approved by the senior staff of the campaign, it was sent by a staffer, that uh was not the uh message the campaign wants to send you know i watched him do that mm-hmm.
0: my house and, and just just for just for a refresher like what what was this because i know what you're talking about but but just to, for for anyone listening or watching what what was this email because this was, was about
1: well this was the first time marcus was really allowed to make outreach
0: to mm-hmm.
1: um to black lives matter
0: That's right it.
1: Because don't forget, Marcus was hired about 30 minutes before that happened.
0: Right. At and net roots. Yeah. We we when he when he tells the story, he's like, okay, I'm this is the first time I'm meeting Bernie Sanders. I'm I'm just on the job. Duh, 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 duh. And uh he's like, you know, I'm talking, like, you know, I know Patrice, I know blah blah blah, I know so and so, I know so and so. And then <laughs> and he tried to warn him <laughs> was the was the funny thing, but you can't really warn or prepare people. I mean, you just gotta
1: that was new. Look, I was at Occupy. There was nothing like Black Lives Matter. There was no organized effort to
0: represent black people. Mm-hmm. And so you know, every other constituency was represented. Even constituencies you didn't know existed were represented. Mm-hmm.
1: And, and yet there was no organized. So 20, you know, 2015, the birth of you know, Say Their Names and uh, Hands Up, Don't Shoot and, and all of this from that came Black Lives Matters. Well, the one of the the one of the things that you hear when you talk to the activists um, is that they are largely doing this without any support whatsoever. Right. You know, BLM is not DFA or or move on. You know, they can't just send out an email and rake in a million bucks. Right. They can't do that. Um, and and so, uh, you know, whether or not that's because they don't have the capacity to do that, whether or not it's because their style of activism doesn't inspire that, whether or not all of these things that all feeds into it, they're all things that have to be considered. And I know that in that statement it can be that any... Someone listening to that out of context could hear that as offensive, and I would, and I would certainly never want to offend the efforts of any organizer that's out there working uh, for social justice. What I would say is that there are things that work, and there are things that have systemically not worked. And. Mm-hmm. Don't always have to do it the institutional way, and sometimes doing it the opposite of the institutional way can, can be very effective, but you can never forget your history because your history will inform you about um, mistakes others have made along the path. This is you – know, you're, not, you're not the first organizer. If you're out there organizing, you're not the first organizer to organize. You. Someone has done it before you and you do yourself a favor by finding those people and and, picking their brains so you know that doesn't exist in a lot of ways for um you know african-american issues because where where is the institution the NAACP
0: Mm -hmm. you know
1: and you know SCIU or not SCIU but um SCLC um you know, there's there are organizations, but many of these organizations are frankly they're not relevant. Right. Because they don't right. they don't do direct action. And so because they don't do direct action, people forget about them. They'll get a statement from a member every once in a while when they want their support. And they'll go attend a gala when they, you know, need to move a bill forward. But When you do direct action you get people's attention Mm -hmm. that's what BLM tapped into but you've also got to have those other components and so what we get to do as impact is we get to be able to serve these organizations in a way where we're able to connect them with uh, that experience with those organizing models you know what we're doing in what we're doing um, right now also. it's getting ready to go down. We're, we're getting ready to...
0: Right. Happen
1: there. Um, that's a that's a really exciting thing to be a part of. I was telling Marcus today a little bit about some of the stuff that um, you know, in terms of operational activities that have been done with other organizations, and how you know this is a this is an opportunity to really begin building our projects out to show people the value of what we can do you know having that having having this work to demonstrate what we're able to accomplish i think it's going to go a long way showing how, how effectively we because we're doing the direct action and that's, and that's what we're doing. right
0: right awesome so any as we wrap up any like just anything, freestyle, like any closing thoughts, any next steps. I mean, maybe we'll just start doing conversations with Ben and Anoa. I mean, I don't know. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I mean,
1: so these forms of media are very important. Um, You know, corporate media has a stranglehold on where we, what information we get, how we get it, when we get it. And what we get an opportunity to do in this setting is to, uh, you know, talk to people who are legitimately on the ground that um, are going to be able to give us insight into uh, how to be better at what we do. I like to call it the the four cornerstones of engagement: mm-hmm. activism, advocacy, uh, uh, organizing, and being an operative. So those four areas: advocacy, activism, organizing, operative. Those are all areas that, as we all Stronger in, and develop our, develop our skill sets and more. We're going to find more and more opportunities to engage. The key is staying connected and building a network. Mm-hmm. And part of that means that we have to be there for each other. And that that has, was not proven to me more then, uh, the story of a young organizer in Georgia, um, who, after battling with depression, um, after not being able to get any traction as an organizer and becoming more and more isolated from sort of this energy that he had gotten connected with,
0: uh, Mm -hmm.
1: um, uh, ODing and Mm. passing away. And when I got the call, I talked to Person, uh, when, when I you know, found out about it, we talked, and you know, the point was made that that this was a person who felt very isolated and alone out there. And my first thought to that was, mm-hmm. you know, we let this kid down. All of us that are out here working to save the world, we let one of our own down because we didn't stay mm. connected as colleagues, we didn't stay connect, we didn't have mentors. We didn't have relationships built to check in on each other. How are you doing? What's, what's going on? What's going on in your neighborhood in your community? What projects are you working on?
0: No. Right. No.
1: That, that wasn't there. All these Slack channels, all these Facebook groups, all of these memes, the least we can do is come up with a way of connecting each other so that we look out for each other. Because this is not easy work that we do. This is not easy
0: work. Not at all, but I am so happy to have, you know, you and Marcus and the rest of our crew to, 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 to start and build and work with. And I think what you just, you know, you know, closing out, I think what you're saying is making sure we, we, we talk to people. Right. And not just we talk to people as in the community, we talk to each other because this this there is a lot of high energy and it, there can be times where it is isolating where people, you know, because things are moving fast and I mean, there is just so much going on. And I do think touching base and checking in with folks, making sure, you know because we're people, right? We're people, we, we we have lives outside of the work that we've been trying to do, even though for many of us, the work is our life. Um, we have other relationships, other stuff going on. So I think what you're saying is just so crucial and not just because it's the holidays and I'm in a good mood, but but seriously, we do need to take the time to actually talk to folks. Like we're not robots, you know? I mean, we're people with feelings, we breathe, we cry. I mean, it's rough sometimes. So So I think, what you're saying, make sure. And I hate I hate the whole self-care thing, but it's true, though. Right. You do have to make sure you take that time to take care of yourself and make sure you're checking in. But we need to make sure we check in with each other. I mean, so, yeah. You find one of my adages is that um,
1: especially in the progressive movement, there's a lot of people who are here to save the world. But they don't know how to save themselves. Mm. Can be an amazing vehicle for healing. A lot of us, look, we're all broken. We all carry trauma, you know. And 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 leading in our community can be a way of, of
0: processing our own trauma and our and and our and inspire our own healing. Right.
1: Many times that's because we're called on to help other people process their trauma and heal. So it's a good thing.
0: Yeah, definitely.
1: Like Martha Stewart would say, it's a good thing I do a Martha Stewart.
0: Definitely.
1: A when I have to, you know it, I know it, everybody knows it.
0: <laughs> Hilarious. Um, yeah, I think I think that's a good way for us to close out for the night. I appreciate it. Let's do this. We're gonna we're gonna do this again. So um, you know, uh this has been an edition of the Way of Fanoa. I've been joined by Mr. Ben America. Mr. America, super fabulous person to chat with and talk to and have around wealth of knowledge. Super awesome, always. Thank you so much for joining me, Ben. Happy belated birthday. Even I told you birthday, happy birthday and, and, and on Facebook, but happy belated birthday on the podcast. Another year. Can find, like, getting better, like, fine wine? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, if it sticks around long enough, it turns into vinegar, so. <laughs> okay, you're like a nice aged whiskey, Ben. <laughs> like that.
1: <laughs> either way, like, Swigel put it, put hair on your chest.
0: <laughs> anyway, thank you so much, Ben. This has been this has been great. Appreciate you lots. I
1: Had a blast. Thanks. Can't wait to do it again.